This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. It's Monday night. The Falcons' season is on the line against the New York Football Giants. Grady Jarrett, I think, is back, which is maybe nice. Who knows? Um, that's a good thing, possibly. I don't know. I don't know about the Falcons right now. But Jordan DeArmond, do you know what isn't nice right now? What's not nice? The targeting call on LSU's you know, Devin White you know what? in the Mississippi State I, game. I was going to bring that up, so I'm glad that we could just get right to that. We're already on the same page. We're. Are, I mean, is this weird? And I think it's just because our connection is starting to grow. It's just becoming easier to do this every week. I mean, I, I think that's got to be what it is, right? It's got to be what it is. It is what mm-hmm. it is. But, yeah, that was one of the main things that stuck out to me this weekend. And it's not even the fact that it's – well, for one, it should not have been a, a targeting call. And, two, they've got to change these targeting penalties. I mean, have a targeting one versus targeting two. But I guess we should get into exactly what happened with Evan White, who is – also the best player on the defensive side of the ball for LSU. And that's saying a lot, I think, because they've got a couple of great guys on the defensive side that are are stellar. I was going to say, I feel like it's still the safety, like Jamal Adams 2.0, right? Yeah, is, is he not more valuable? I like him, and I like Grady Williams too. But I think all three of those guys, when they're in on defense together, they I mean, it's like rallying the troops. Um, I really like the safety. I think that guy, I forget his name. What is his name? Um, but that safety, he is the best safety in Delpit, college football. I've forgotten his name at least 19 times. Like, I've gotten to the point now where there's so many names to remember, I just write down numbers. So when I'm watching games, I'm like, oh, number nine. All right, I know who that is. Well, oh, here we go. Grant Del. Grant Delpit, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. But, and is it sad okay. that is he the best safety in college football? If we can't remember his name, I think that may be a problem. Mm, I mean, it's a problem now, but come NFL draft time, we'll be like, oh, I know him. Exactly. And everybody will know him. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. He'll be okay. Well, yeah. So back to just what happened with that whole mess. I mean, it was, I mean, what's your feelings on it? I mean, obviously, I think it's the wrong call. You know, SEC, they can't go back and reverse it. But can you go, can you maybe think about changing the targeting calls, like going forward, having a targeting one and a targeting two? You know, I mean, I just feel like it's completely unfair because, one, I don't think it was a dirty hit. And, two, if you look at Alabama's game with Mac Wilson hurting Jared Guantano, I mean, he was out for the game with a collarbone injury, and that hit was 20 times as nasty as what Devin White did. Yeah, it was one of those things where you watched on replay, and, I mean, Steve Palazzolo of PFF pointed out, he's like, he, he pushed him. It, that's so what I it was. Really no, yeah, it, it was weird. I mean, I just, I just, you know, I mean, here's the conspiracy theory in me. 
Obviously, you know, the first game in November is going to be the biggest game in SEC, you know, season this year with Alabama facing LSU. Devin White is a key player when it comes to the way LSU is going to play. I mean, you know, LSU has to already be playing A-plus-plus football against Alabama, but if you're going to be missing one of your best defensive players against the best offense in the entire country, I mean, that's not going to bode well. And it just is, it's just not fair because that Max Wilson hit was so much worse. I mean, Guarantana literally was flattened. He was flattened. Mm-hmm. And he was injured. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Overall, I mean, LSU, obviously, it didn't, it didn't affect them against Mississippi State. Um, you know, they played. It a- turns out Mississippi State is their biggest enemy. And it's not uh, targeting from uh, LSU defensive players. I think they've scored. Let me check my notes here. Yes, negative five points over the last three weeks. Negative five points. Yeah, they're actually losing points. Wait, Mississippi State. Yeah, negative five. Jordan, I'm being very sarcastic right now. They've just been <laughs> very bad. The numbers are very bad for. I told you, I am a, I am a very gullible person. Don't do that. I mean, maybe they got a safety taken back. You know, I don't know. Right. I, I don't I'm know. I'm all this in, by the way. Me, may like, I, I, either you're selling this really hard, which is would give me even more respect for you if you really knew this all along and you just played along with me. But if that's not the case and that I actually just talked you into Mississippi State actually scoring negative five points <laughs> over three weeks, um, um, mission accomplished well, and the podcast has never been in a better place. You know what? Then the podcast has never been in a better place because you did sell me on that, but it's only because over the past couple of weeks, Nick Fitzgerald and Moorhead have zero chemistry when it comes to coaches knowing their players. I don't, I don't know if Nick Fitzgerald, I mean, he's, he has more rushing yards than Tim Tebow in SEC history, which that's not really saying much because we know how Tim Tebow's career ended basically in football. So it's not saying that much, but you do have a mobile quarterback who has the ability to pass, but obviously Obviously not, because he threw for 59 yards and he was 8 for 24. So I'm not quite sure. What do you do if you're Mississippi State? Do you put in, is it Keaton Thompson? I guess that's the backup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been like the kind of um, under the radar thing that's been in play just because this offense still hasn't gotten jump started. I mean, LSU's defense is good, so maybe this is not the best indicator of um, whether or not Nick Fitzgerald should be the starting quarterback going forward. But it does feel like they're just so limited in a way. I, I don't know what they do when they're behind. I don't know what they do when they really, it's just, I feel bad for Joe Moorhead because um, it turns out uh, Nick Fitzgerald is not Trace McSorley, Jordan. <laughs> I, I, I did not expect that coming in the year, but it turns out Trace McSorley might be a better player <laughs> than Nick Fitzgerald. And he has more options because Trace McSorley is a low key gunner. And like, he's a, obviously a smaller frame and Nick Fitzgerald's a big dude. Um, but it's, it just doesn't work. I mean, I remember this, like when Nick Fitzgerald was like first starting a couple of years ago from Mississippi state. And he was like, it was against another bad sec team at the time. And I forgot who they were playing. It was like a noon game and he was getting in and he was getting some reps. He wasn't getting all the reps and 
you know, it, they were just like, he can't throw. Like, he was running, like, the pistol, I think, in high school. I, I'm pretty certain he never, like, threw at all. He ran one of those, like, maybe it was wing tee. It was either the pistol or wing tee or something. It was something really outdated and archaic that just worked in the high school ranks in middle of nowhere in Georgia. I feel like he went to a military academy in Georgia, but could be wrong. Yeah, anyway, I think he did go to a school in Georgia, so you're correct on that. I know that. Yeah, and he never threw. And now you kind of see where it's like, oh, this isn't even like Georgia Tech where they can do other stuff. It, like Taekwon, if he needs to, can throw. And I mean, Justin Thomas years ago could do that. And a lot of those mobile triple option guys can still throw if they have to. Nick Fitzgerald is just not even one of those guys. He can't even throw if they need him to. So I don't really understand the point when it's not working like that. And I think at this point, you probably need to go with Thompson down the street. Well, but here's some, I don't think they will. Here's something to think about. What's a more surprising situation coming into this year? And I think I know what you'll go for on this just because I know where your loyalty stands, but Joe Moorhead and Nick Fitzgerald being a crash and burn or Khalil Tate and Kevin Sumlin, what's worse? Oh, Joe Moorhead. And Nick I figured out, yes. I still think there's, well, I think there's a lot more talent there. And I think there is just something where it's like he inherited a very good team. Dan Mullen obviously put together the best stretch run in Mississippi State history. So it's not like he walked into a barren situation. I think that's part of the reason he took that job is he had a quarterback that he thought was ready to win right away. The defense is solid. He got a good defensive coordinator in there. Like they have players. Like they have one of the best defensive lines in college football. Like they have the pieces to be really good. Like a nine and three, ten and two team if everything goes right. So I think expectations should have been higher. I mean, they play in the SEC West, which kind of clouds um the waters uh, clouds uh, what is the expression there i don't even know it uh it makes, it makes the water, the wa- it makes the waters a little bit murky for them right because you don't really know even if they go like seven and five in a normal conference do they go ten and two yeah exactly like if they play in the big 10 west are they better than iowa probably well don't but ask me because i'm an sec enthusiast so I think that the SEC, well, I just think that the SEC is the toughest division out there. And I think I have a statistic to sort of point to that, just at least from the defensive perspective on everything. But I I think that a Mm. lot of these teams, people want to just give crap and talk, you know, the shit about SEC and how people from the SEC say SEC is greater than all. Well, statistics prove that it is the toughest conference. I mean, would you agree? Would you disagree? I I mean, it just means more, Jordan. It just it does know. it does mean more. It just more. means more. Yeah. It does mean more. I can't imagine why other football fans hate the way the SEC presents themselves when they have such great slogans like it just means more. Well, it does. Nothing more condescending and great well, than uh that's You know, I love it. Losing in um Baton Rouge means more than losing in West Lafayette, so I don't know about that. Oh. Are we sure? Come on. Come on. Are we sure? In one of the most Are we sure? Yeah. I, I, um, let's just say the nicest thing that could be said about that game for me was I had a huge smile on my face the entire night. I am a Boilermakers fan for life. The, the story with the kid who, Tyler Trent. I'm him his name. Yes. That was just, that was a teal tear jerker. It was a classic, um, Joe Rinaldi story. Very, it, it, it that one, uh. That was a good story. And it was one of those where you like, oh, I like, I forgot. I think it was Solid Verbal this week where they were talking about like how sometimes in sports, certain things like that come together at the right time yep. where it, it, it doesn't always happen. It's not like it, they won because of his presence or anything like that. But it it is nice to have a situation like that where 
Um, it was just the perfect night for everybody involved. And, uh, you know, they did a lot of cool stuff. Like they have one of the most insane freshman receivers who was originally a Texas commit. So I imagine really? Texas Longhorn fans are very annoyed by watching the five seven speedster who is not Lavishka Chenault, Ron- but might be the Ronald next Moore, right? Right. Yeah. He- He's like five seven, <laughs> one seventy five, but he is a speed demon and uh wrecked Ohio State's defense. I mean, he was making catches over the bat I mean, like things that you would see somebody that's in their fourth year at school do. Right. I was wondering, like, why is this guy at Purdue? I mean, no, no shots at Purdue because, like I said, I'm a Boilermakers fan for life. He won me over, especially with the Tyler Trent story. I watched it again right. before we came on tonight just to get me a little inspiration because, one, it's mm. Monday, and, two, mm-hmm. you know, that story, I mean, like you said, everything just came together, together perfectly, and that's what he called was for Purdue to upset Ohio State. But anyways, on, on Ronald Moore, I just thought he was, I mean, outstanding. I, I how and why is he at Purdue? I mean, Jeff Brom is a one of the best offensive minds in college football. I so, love I mean, Jeff he'd Brom. Be committed I love him. And yeah, I mean, he's really good. So it's not like it's that crazy because of the kind of offense that he puts together. And I mean, if you're a an explosive athlete, like Jeff Brom's going to find ways to utilize you. So, I mean, it is kind of random, but I do like those guys who are just like, you know what? I might be buried on the Texas depth chart. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go somewhere where I can play right away. Absolutely. And yeah. And now he's a star and I mean he'll probably go in the first it's amazing how this is the new thing in football this is true in the NFL and now it's true in college maybe it was true in college first but the Wes Welker Julian Edelman Tyreek Hill Mm -hmm. those slot guys that are just insanely fast and can do whatever they want when they get out in space and just everybody needs their own Mr. Yak and they have it I mean even Georgia has it with Hardman Auburn has it with Shorts whenever they decide to use him. And I just think it's one of those interesting nuggets that I like to follow on every team. It's just, I mean, LaVishka Chenault is obviously the best version of that, but it is cool that Purdue has their own version because it just seems so random. Cause when you think uh, Purdue football, you think uh, Joe Taylor and maybe Drew Brees, I guess you think of Drew Brees. Can't forget about Kyle Orton. Yeah. Kyle Orton. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Orton. Maybe not so much Boilermaker as, legend. as Drew Brees, but yeah, it's definitely a worthy name. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I mean, it, I think they were the same number in college. I want to say. Really, I feel like that was like because he wasn't number nine, and Kyle Orton was eighteen, and I want to say Breeze was too, but I could be wrong. He may be in sixteen. I, it's one of the two. Oh, but just another an aside that I just remember for some reason. So you- but no, it was a good, it was a good story, and I was, I was happy about it because you know what? Uh, but I will say the overreaction, overreaction Monday, Jordan, or I guess overreaction Sunday because it has been two days now. Um, since it happened is a little ridiculous because Stuart Mandel and the athletic had a great piece uh, that came out today that kind of outlined the differences and the similarities between the last number two team to get blown out on the road. Um, a team you're very familiar with yeah, two weeks ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. They yeah. got blown out and it happened last year because they got blown out 40 to 17 at Auburn. And guess what? They still made the national championship game. Ohio state does this every year now. Like they got blown out 55 to 29 or whatever it was at Iowa. Um, they have these bad losses now with Urban, and this was not something that happened his first 17 years coaching, is these blowout losses. But when you give up so many big plays like this team does, they become susceptible to these kind of just yeah. beatdowns because when it's not their night, um, yak guys like Moore and everybody else just go off, and it's just it's not going to work. And it turns out when Dwayne Haskins has to throw the ball 73 times. Yeah, 73. It's, it's Repeat not going to be good, 70, which is still crazy, right? 73 times. Like, does that – that doesn't happen on any level. 
That's a lot of passes. I mean, Cole McDonald, I wouldn't even suggest throwing the ball 70 no. times. No, but what does that say about the run game for Ohio State? I mean, they're averaging three yards per run. And I, I just, I feel like you got Mike Weber, you got J.K. Dobbs, you should be able to get the, the ball going, but Dwayne Haskins literally played lights out and they still couldn't win the game. And that's what's alarming to me, not only the run game, which I think is putting a lot of pressure on Haskins, but I also think that the the defense is terrible, and I've been saying that from the very beginning. I've been worried about the secondary, which Ohio State has gotten better. No, in the past three weeks, they've made mediocre mediocre quarterbacks look like Heisman finalists, like with Peyton Ramsey. I don't even know Minnesota's quarterback's name. Zach Anikstad. Well, yes, thank you. And they made him look like great greatness, and we all know that Minnesota. Hey, Minnesota, the best 0-4 <laughs> team in Big Ten play in the Big Ten. Yeah, gave Nebraska their first one this week. So I just, mm-hmm. I, you got to, I, I agree with you where I think Ohio State's definitely going to end up winning the Big Ten because I'm not a believer in Michigan. I'm not there anymore, Jordan. I This is a precursor because it's not on my, that just happened, but... <laughs> I'm really talking myself into Michigan. It feels what? like the right year for Michigan. Stop. I'm moving closer and closer. No. I'm a believer. I'm not a believer over somebody who beat Michigan State, no matter if it's a you know rivalry game, 21 to 7. But it was if you watch the game, it wasn't close. It never felt like Michigan State had a shot in that game. Like Michigan's defense is legit. Their running game is legit. Their offensive lines improved a lot. Everything about this team works to me like they're a more complete team right now than ohio state right. i think ohio state's offense is an infinitely better but their inability to run the football does matter and i'm just growing more and more concerned with that defense where it's like wisconsin you saw what michigan did to wisconsin yeah wisconsin has that running game so a little bit different than ohio state in that regard because they rely on jonathan taylor but it's an explosive offense when they get moving that defense with Jim Leonard running things is like 90th in the country this year. So it's just not the same defense that Wisconsin fans have been treated to over the last couple of years. And that matters because Michigan can control the line of scrimmage. They have a great defense. And when you get behind and that defense has a bad day like they did in Ann Arbor uh, a week ago, they get blown out. And I think Michigan is a team that like, if you let them get up early, they're going to beat you down. And they're one of those teams that's getting better as the season progresses. Like, this is not the same Michigan team that struggled and lost in Notre Dame. No, I like, agree. If you I ask agree. me right now yeah. who I thought was a better team, and if they played again this, like, next week, Michigan. I would I would pick Michigan. Agreed. So I think I, I'm just, I'm talking myself into them. I feel like this, everything's coming together for a good hardball year. Well, and you know what? what? I kind of want it to happen. I kind of want to see how Harbaugh and Michigan does against Clemson and Alabama and teams like that in the playoff. I'm I'm fascinated. I'm all for it. Like I would love for Urban Meyer to just sulk in his sadness this year, especially after everything that's, you know, happened prior to this. And um, I, you know, I would love to see Harbaugh in the college football playoff, but I also think it would be a situation like Michigan state a couple years ago (laughs) where Mm. I, I just, I just feel like it, it. I just feel like, when you get in big games like that, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but I just feel like it would poss- possibly be a blowout because when you put now, you know, one of my that just happens is just apologizing to Clemson because I think that they are better than what I was giving them credit for. To that stance, could Michigan beat Clemson? I really don't know if Michigan could beat Clemson. I would pick Clemson's defensive line over their defensive line. I would pick Clemson's quarterback over their quarterback, you know, so it's like you have to start comparing, even though, you know, but the they are similar. Season. They are similar, but I mean, do you not see more? 
upside. Now, I to to what you said about Michigan being being better than Notre Dame, I I truly believe that. I think Notre Dame is completely overrated. Once again, like I want to go back to the game. They almost lost to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And that's that's Hey, Vanderbilt almost beat Kentucky this week. Well, they're making progress. Jo- Josh Allen ruined that for him, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I I just I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just really sour on just the Big 10, but I think you're very sour on Notre Dame and Ohio State. I think you're going to be really upset if both of them qualify. No, for the playoffs, no, no, which, no. By the way, Notre, still in play. No, Notre Dame, I, I just I think Notre Dame's going to be blown out in the playoffs. So I just find it's not going to be Yeah. fun. Like I would rather have Oklahoma over Notre Dame in the playoffs. I would agree. And I think it is cool when Notre Dame is good. I like them having this good season. I mean, Ian Book has changed things for them. Um I mean, they still recruited a top 10 level every year. Like, they have the players. And, you know, Chip Long with his offense coming from Memphis and everything else. Like, Dexter Williams is fun. You never know, I guess. Like, this defense is legit, even losing Mike Elko to Texas A&M, who has turned out to be just a huge hire for Texas A&M. And Jimbo being able to get him has been huge for them. And it turns out Wake Forest not having Mike Elko anymore is uh, a problem. (laughs) for the demon deacons because they have not recovered in two years yeah uh not great and um yeah i just i think notre dame is probably like the seventh best team in the country which is fine it's fine but it's all about perspective like it's just people are going to overreact like oh notre dame sucks and they get blown out it's like they're just not the fourth best team in the country they're just the seventh best like two things can be true they they did what they needed to do to get into the playoff game, which is win all their games, which is very hard to do because the last team to go undefeated and run the table was Florida State like five years ago. So it just doesn't happen anymore. So it's already a tough road in that regard. And they know if they lose a game, they're out. Like Notre Dame's not getting in with one loss. That's not happening. Well, because of the so, strength of their schedule, it's not really... Well, that- it looked better at the beginning of the season well, than, than it looks yeah. now. Like USC is no longer a good win. Yeah, Stanford, talk- games like that. Utah, it, then again, though, Northwestern. U- U- yeah. I just had to throw oh, that man. in there. You know. You're very excited about Utah. I love the Utes. They, I love them. They're in the top 25, baby. So my first that just happened was the Dwayne Haskins and the Ohio State thing. So what is your first that just happened? Well, my first one was the Boilermakers fan for life. I think we've sort of like, well, because my, my three that just happens here. I'll just go over the. Oh, you're just going to go all three? Well, Take control, Jordan. Well, all right. No, no, go no. Ahead. It's because we sort of already discussed. Like my first one was I'm a Boilermakers fan for life. I thought from the very beginning mm-hmm. of that, Tyler Trent's story. It's the black and gold. <laughs> Vanderbilt, Purdue. <laughs> well, I mean, Maybe I'm, I'm noticing a, a trend here. I do wear a lot of black and gold. But, okay. um, yeah, I don't know. That was my first one. I think that's the thing that stuck out to me. That that was the game that I watched that I literally could not take my eyes out off of. One of the things that really stood out to me was how, how Urban Meyer looked on the sideline. It was a little alarming. I've never really seen him in distress. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I just felt Didn't like... did he almost collapse a couple weeks ago? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, pro- he was suffering from something. And I I remember reading on an Ohio State site talking about this. And I think Bruce Feldman was talking about this and uh, on the Audible podcast uh, a couple weeks ago where he did have some serious like that's the other thing is like people make jokes about Urban Meyer's health. They're all legit. Like whether or not he still should have like if he used it to get out of the Florida job, that's a different conversation. Right. But like he still had the health issues. He had 
it, like he went to the hospital. He he like all of that stuff happened. He's struggled with his health. Like that is real stuff. Well, and you have to think about it. it anxiety and stress, outside stress does play a factor on your health. And if you already have health problems, this situation at the beginning of the year probably did not play well into that. It probably really affected him. And he looks older. He looks more tired. I mean, I really, it does not look like Urban. I tried to listen to the press conference after the game of what Urban Meyer was saying. And first off, the levels were so low, I couldn't hear. I felt like Ohio State did that on purpose. But like, he just looked... I mean, I know it's a tough loss, but, like, he looked defeated. And and something that stuck out to me today was I was reading on just, I mean, a random football scoop. They said that they have reports from multiple sources that basically said there's major friction between Urban Meyer, the program, and the athletic department now, which you would imagine mm-hmm. would be the case after everything that's sort of transpired over the season. But I think this is just sort of icing on the cake of just issues. I mean, you've got one – I think it's, like, one of the most – penalized teams in college football, which is Ohio State. And that, I feel like, is sort of a telling time of just sort of the control that is had over the team right now. Two things. One, uh, Urban Meyer had brain surgery in 2014 to lessen his headaches. Mm -hmm. Brain surgery. Like, that's the other thing. People talk about this stuff like he's just made it all up and Urban Meyer's a faker. And it's like, Urban Meyer's had serious health stuff over the last 10 years. Like Urban Meyer's health stuff is legit. And I don't, I've never felt comfortable with like the framing of Urban Meyer's health and everything else and how it's affected his job stuff. I I don't like that. Um, It just feels gross to me. Two, Greg Schiano really fucked up. And we need to talk about this very quickly. Let's talk about it. Greg Schiano was on his way to getting a power five job at Tennessee. Things were going pretty well for like, three hours before Tennessee fans found out that he was going to Tennessee and he stayed at Ohio state. That defense is no longer good. And Greg Schiano may have missed his (laughs) opportunity to get another power five head coaching job um, in his career. That's gone. Maybe the Rutgers job opens up and he can go back there next year. But outside of that, I think Greg Schiano, the big loser from the Ohio state season thus far, that's a very, uh, he's in trouble. Very good point. I, I like that one, Chase. Uh, would you like to go on? Did you already give your next that just happened? No, you're doing all three, remember? Okay, you took cool. control, Jordan Jarman. All right, then I'll take control and I'll keep it rolling. So I told you a little bit earlier I needed to apologize to Clemson because I just felt like to this point I hadn't seen a complete team. You had a young quarterback. Your defense really wasn't the standard of which I would have thought it would have been, you know, with the, the returning starters on the defensive line. I just wanted to see more. Um, and we also have to remember we're comparing it to one of the greatest college football teams. I would like to say of all time, I mean, this Alabama football team is, seems to be unstoppable, and, which mm-hmm. makes college football a little boring. But you have to say, you know, can you compare them? And I really like what the offense is doing right now. I like how they, um, you know, even with without a run game, which the run game was not that special this past week, and Trevor Lawrence stepped up and really made some plays. So I just feel like I need to give credit where credit's due. Um, and he threw for 308 yards and, two, and a touchdown and 244 yards in the first half, which is pretty impressive. And I guess NC State isn't as good as we thought they were, maybe. I think we have to cancel NC State. I don't think you can recover from this. This is the <laughs> biggest game in the Dave Dorn era. Yeah. Like they Talk about how this was just 
you know, their moment. They've been overlooked for years. Ryan Finley's a eighth year starter. You know, this is a team that has a great offensive line. They have a bunch of first round picks coming in and uh they, you know they played they Clemson they played and, Clemson close the past two years, correct? Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's like they waited for the worst possible time <laughs> to just implode. Yeah. And they I saw some of the crowd shots of the people who traveled for this game, the F Valley, and I just I felt really bad. And I agree with you that Clemson is finding their stride. They're they look unbeatable. You're I think you're selling their run game a little short, like Etienne and guys no, like Oh, that I know I like I was just saying I, I was just saying in this game. Like, you know, I just felt mm, like the run game yeah. in this game wasn't outstanding, but they still found a way to score. I think Etienne is a great running back. He's one of the best in I think the ACC for sure. Um Yeah. But I think that they're just they're becoming a a finished product, but they still have some, you know, issues on their plate. They had a season high six passes dropped, which can happen. And they also failed a fake field goal and missed a field goal, which, you know, in big games, I mean, you saw it hurt Georgia that failed fake field goal. I mean, that was basically game over right there. But um, wh- yeah. when we talk about Alabama's depth of, of team, like that's one of the things that people say, that's why they can win so many games and do it at the, you know, at the level of what they're doing it, but Clemson played 85 guys during that game and they played 54 guys in the first quarter. So they've got depth and I mm-hmm. didn't really realize the depth of what Clemson had. And so my apologies to the Clemson fan base. I do believe you're the number two team in the nation, but that being said, past two weeks, we did bring it up. The number two team has fallen. Could Clemson fall to FSU? We will talk about that later in the podcast. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. But I guess with all my FSU family members, like that would be fun if FSU. Well, I'm just around. saying, really bad things yeah. come in threes. There's been two number twos to fall in the previous week. Good, Clemson beat them. Right. You know. There you go. Um, what is your number three? Uh, well, I was gonna be. It was gonna be the targeting penalties, but I guess I'll just give App State a shout out because they're ranked in the top 25 for the first time in school history. Zach Thomas, an amazing QB run where he did. It was a, I think it was a bootleg to the right-hand side. And even the announcers, if you watch the clip, um, got confused as to where the ball was. And Zach Thomas, he's uh, what you call a sneaky good athlete, which is what you call any white athlete who (laughs) is fast. Sneaky good. He's sneaky. (laughs) I always love like Julian uh, Edelman, Wes Welker, all those guys. Danny Amendola, sneaky good athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, Whatever that means. He um he actually he made the Manning watch list this week. I didn't realize um mm. how great of a quarterback Dak Thomas was, so I watched some of his highlights. And like you said, some of the announcers were getting confused of where the ball was going, what he was doing. But um, I like App State. Congrats, App State. He's good. I mean, they're good. And yeah. Georgia Tech, Todd Stansbury, if you're listening, as I know you do on a weekly basis, the Georgia Tech athletic director, big fan of the podcast. <laughs> if you are tuning in right now. Um, all you have to do this offseason, uh, I think Tech's three and four right now. They're second to last in the in their division, the ACC, just in front of the one in like six North Carolina Tar Heels. Maybe they're one in five because they skipped a game. Um, oh my God, Larry Fedora and the Tar Heels. But yeah, that's a whole just different- hire App State's coach. You already have Nate Woody, the DC from App State. Just hire Sutterfield. It does fit. Good. I want to see him in a Power Five conference. It, just bring him over. It does fit. And Georgia Tech does need a little kick in the boot. I would like that. I would like that higher. But It'd your other guy is also the North Texas guy. So, yeah, Seth Luttrell. Mm-hmm. 
not a good week for him. Yeah, no, but North Texas, I mean, they got the win of the year, I mean, you know, over Arkansas. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> the win of the year with the, the fake uh, The fake, punt. yeah. You know. What do we, we call that? Not even the fake punt, fake, the fake, like, the fake, fake fair catch? Fake juke catch. Fake juke fair catch. Go. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my uh, third. That just happened. I mean, I didn't really get a chance to watch the App State game, but the fact that they're top 25, I think that's pretty pretty awesome. First time in school history. And yeah. people forget. I mean, I forgot about this. They were really close to beating Penn State at the very first game of the year, 45-38. Do you know who else they were very close to beating just uh, one year ago and should have beaten had a certain quarterback not gotten injured in like the second quarter of that game at home? Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, would it be Georgia? It would be Georgia. I don't. I don't Georgia. quite remember that game. Yeah, it, it, it's good that you don't because you'd remember it forever if Jacob Eason played all four quarters. Oh my god, was that win was that game. the game. And then that's what led Jacob Eason to be at Washington. Wow. Hmm. Right. He got hurt. Jake Fromm comes in, saves their season, and the rest is history. But if you're watching that game and the way things are going, I believe App State was up. They were. I think they were up. I think they were up a touchdown. Yeah. Now that you say that. Unbelievable. They almost Michiganed Georgia just a year ago. Yeah, but almost isn't. Almost isn't definite. So they didn't. Hmm. I mean, they should schedule more often. That'd be fun. Let's get more App State at UGA. There we go. App State at Auburn, maybe. And honestly, didn't then two years ago they almost beat Tennessee? They, yeah. They went to like double overtime or something. I'm and pretty some sure. Crazy finishes. There has been a close App State Power Five game. Every single year. I think it's all due to the Armani Edwards renaissance in Boone, North Carolina, those years ago. I think he jump-started everything. I think it also could be something in the water at Boone or something there. Smoking in the air. Who knows? You know? I love that you haven't uh, mentioned either of my two that just happens. I'm glad that we could be on different pages. Go ahead. Holy shit. Virginia versus Virginia Tech is shaping up to be a colossal late-season showdown, just like we all expected, Jordan. Going into the year, Charlottesville, who would have ever thought that the Virginia Cavaliers, run by Bronco Mendenhall, would be in the driver's seat to play Clemson in the ACC title game? That's right. They've they've lost only one ACC game. Guess who sits above them in their division? The Virginia Tech Hokies. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I can't believe this right now. But UVA, if you look at the rest of their schedule, 10-2 and two is on the table. Are you ready to tell your children about the year Bronco <laughs> Mendenhall got the Cavaliers to 10-2? and two? Oh. Matt Schaub, who? Can we, can we um, talk about, though, one of their losses? Because like, one was to North Carolina State, and the mm. other was to Indiana. Right. And I just wish they would have lost those games because they – are I feel like a better team than both of them. I mean, they're trending up. I mean, they beat Miami. They're, I mean, this is a solid team. Their defense is legit. I love Perkins. Do we call, is there a um, heavyweights reference to him yet? Does he have that attached to his ability at quarterback? Uh, I, don't, Perkins I, power? Don't, I don't believe yet, but I could see it. Mm. Did you ever watch that movie growing up? Um, no, maybe once or twice. Not a lot. Okay. What about Hocus Pocus? I feel like everybody is watching Hocus Pocus over the next two weeks. I don't know. I watch more so like Adam's Family and A Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen either of those. What? Yeah. 
Never seen him. That's like hating America, Chase. How is that? Why do you equate <laughs> everything back to anything that you don't understand, like why I think the way I do or why I don't like something? It's back to hating America. I everything just, still, I just still can't concept. believe that you hate the Olympics. So unmerited. It's the worst. The Olympics should be canceled. It's trash. I'm, I'm just, I'm so bothered. <laughs> Did it? Okay, back to this Duke Virginia game. Didn't you think that Duke mm-hmm. was going to come away with the win? If I remember correctly. That's why I'm so impressed yeah. with Virginia. Really? They stopped yeah. the Daniel Jones hype train. Or the They're good. Like you go through their offense, you go through their numbers, you go through how they do things, and it's like they play like a just an annoying SEC West team of like 2012 where you're like, this is ugly. It's solid. They have good coaching. They're going to win games they shouldn't. They're going to win a lot of 19, 13 games. And, I mean, they have a great wide receiver who I'm not going to even pretend to pronounce his name correctly. Do you know who this person is? Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I'm i not doing it. I want you to actually say his name because I don't even – I've read it so many times, and I've heard it. Dan Rubenstein of the Solid Verbal um, tried it this past week, and um, it was uh, – Okay. I, I think he oh, okay. Right, but... Is it a Wooby? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Ruby Thork humans, Ruby Thork humans. Hmm. That's where I'd go. Okay. Uh huh. Is that close? All right. I I have no idea. I I have no idea. But he's very good. Well, I think I I do think they have a lot of great players on the team, but I think it comes down to coaching. We talk about good coaches and coaches separate games, and I think that's what Bronco Mendenhall. I think everybody that knew that Virginia was hiring him knew how great of a coach he was and I think the one thing that could be said when the ACC made all those hires which what was it it was Justin Puente it was Bronco Mendenhall who else was hired that same year um I don't know in the ACC yeah in the ACC um Mm, but it was it wasn't Fedora I'm trying to think who else was Dino Babers around that time I think he was yeah I I think but but the ACC made a lot of great hires now i can't say the same by the way i just realized that we said the wrong name what Uh, it was not it's oh man alamadi zakaius alamadi number four four. alamadi zakaius huh he's very good i encourage you to watch some youtube stuff with him well you give me you give me a player every week so that's gonna be my guy i'm writing it down all right um but yeah so Virginia Tech, UVA, you're gonna like you're gonna see college game days there in a couple weeks, and you're like, "What year am I in? At what is happening right now? What is Marcus Vick back? <laughs> is what what is going on? Why is this the primetime game? Why are we in Blacksburg? Or I don't even know actually where it is this year. Where is the UVA Virginia Tech game? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna pull it up. I. <sighs> I would like, that would be an experience that I think I would like to go. We talked about college football experiences, like in one of the podcasts, just about places that we would want to go. And I feel like that would be a game that I would really want to go see. Is that where we're going, Jordan? Virginia, Virginia Tech. Should we do it? I don't know. I mean, I'm down. I mean, is it going to ever be this hyped up in the next decade? Probably not. (laughs) But me doubting Bronco Mendenhall and Justin Fuente seems like a, a bad bet. Well, I'll see, okay, here's a question. Who would you what what coach would you pick out of those two? Justin Fuente. Yeah, me too. So it's gonna be let's see, I'm pulling it up now. 
Virginia, Virginia Tech is going to be at Virginia Tech, so in Blacksburg. Ooh, okay. And that, but see, yeah. that's what Bronco wants. He wants to be on the road. He wants to ruin someone else's season on the road. There you go. That's he wants to ODU them. ODU them. That needs to be like a saying, like Clemson. Did you see how they uh, won this past weekend? Uh, yes, I was actually on one of my notes against Western Kentucky. <laughs> 28 points yeah. in the final five minutes and 40 seconds of the game. Mm-hmm. And they won off like d- some weird penalties, yeah. and like it was just baffling to me. I don't understand how this all worked, I, but I have it. Basically, they were able to get a twenty-six yard field goal yep. like thirty seconds prior. Western Kentucky had the ball in ODU territory. It was uh, they missed what back-to-back field goals. Yeah, so basically, and... Western Kentucky missed a field goal, but they had twelve men on the field, so they got to re-kick the field goal, and they missed it. It was short. An ODU player ran it back. They drew a face mask penalty, which set them up for the game-winning field goal. Right, because time expired yeah. on that return, but because there was another penalty, right? You can't you got, can't finish a game on a penalty, so you had to. What are the odds? Like, I want to look at the game cast. Like, there is those odds trackers that I'll watch, especially when I'm watching NBA games and stuff that I'll keep up with, or baseball and stuff like that, where it's like the percentage, like their the odds percentage of where the game is at that moment where it's like, what are the chances this team could come back yeah. with this? I imagine Western Kentucky was at like 99% when they yeah. were driving there. Yeah. It was, yeah. Because here's the thing. Well, shout out to Blake Lovarusa, who was the quarterback who led old dominion past Virginia tech, speaking of Virginia tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but he put up old dominion in a chance to be able to even come back to win the game because he put the team on a 79 scoring touchdown drive. So um, just shout out to him. Cause he was the backup quarterback. That's just, change the old dominion season for those guys so i have an idea what what if we did clemson versus odu for the acc championship i mean it'd be a high scoring game no. yeah i think it'd be fun let's do it let's Who do cares? it virginia, old... virginia tech is not beating clemson let's get weird let's, let's get... throw odu in there let's get weird that's my saying i love that yes absolutely my last that just happened I've mentioned this team already, briefly. I'm still kind of reeling from looking at the standings in this particular division. Northwestern is currently atop the Big Ten West. Iowa, 6-1, and one, right behind them. How is that and even Purdue, possible? right behind them. It's one of the most bizarre, just... That division is unbelievable. And it's also... I don't know how many more years we have before they realign the Big Ten, because... They're just doing themselves a huge disservice by like having Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State in one division. But wow, just Northwestern. I really hope they make the Big Ten title. I mean, game can we? Because it's absurd. We need to. We need to say the score of the Rutgers game because this is Rutgers, right. who is one of the worst teams in college football. They almost beat Northwestern. It, the final score is eighteen to fifteen. King Arthur. Almost got his big first win in the Big Ten, I think. Very close. Very close, but not enough. And Northwestern is one of the most painful teams. You know, being up in Chicago, everybody wants to talk about Northwestern football. And I'm like, can we please spare ourselves? Do they really? Yes. So people actually like Northwestern football. They like Northwestern. You know, Ohio State's not a fan favorite around here. I, I would say that Notre Dame is definitely like the team in Chicago. But Northwestern is right behind them. Uh, are we, have you been to a Northwestern game? No, I have not. Because, like I said, okay. I don't think I could watch. I, I don't want to pain my. That's a painful football game to watch. 
Clayton Thorson right. has and it's been usually cold. Can you imagine sitting through those games? I, ew, yeah. gross. Like Ugh. I, <laughs> and they find a way to either lose in weird ways or win in the last seconds. And even though that's a fun way to do things, like I'm just not interested in watching ugly football. And that's what Northwestern is. I mean, I think they're the second worst team in rushing in the entire country. In the entire FBS, they're the second worst in rushing. Mm. So I, so w- I want Notre Dame definitely. I mean, not Notre Dame. Uh, Ohio State definitely wants to play them in the Big Ten title game. Absolutely. And here's the thing: if Ohio State ends up going and clearing, the, you know, running the table, wins up their games, I still, you can't tell me that that <laughs> you said it's a disservice. Like that championship game isn't a championship game. That's a cupcake game if they end up facing Northwestern. I mean, that's not even. You can't put Ohio State in the college football playoff with a win over Northwestern. Mm, I don't know. I, I want to see a couple more weeks. I want to see how Ohio State responds. I want to see if this defense, I mean, not having Nick Bosa for the rest of the year hurts. I Could Nick Bosa have quit Ohio back. State yet? We'll see. Well, I'm not leaving them just because I believe in Dwayne Haskins too much. I know you do. I know you do, buddy. He did it. He, he, yeah. he, he, Gained a little brownie points for me this week. I mean, you know, passing for over 450 yards is very hard to do. And he basically, you know, tried to keep his team in the line. So, oh, well. What does your arm feel like after 73 pass attempts? I've got to imagine that's a weird feeling. Oh, you probably don't feel it at all. <laughs> I guess. Um. Okay. Jordan's gym. What is it this week? Well, we're going to go back to Neyland Stadium. All right. Okay. Former head coach Butch Jones of the Tennessee Volunteers is now a glorified intern with Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, he was on the sidelines. And, of course, we all know that Bama beat Tennessee 58-21. to 21. So the glorified intern that he is got a Gatorade bath because why not? They just beat <laughs> his team, his kids that he recruited. The whole of which Tennessee is in is because of Butch Jones, and yet he gets the Gatorade bath. Uh, coach that was 0-5 against his now team that he is with. He's the ultimate bandwagoner. And um, I thought it was just a display of exactly who Butch Jones was. He's classless, and he just wants to jump on the bandwagon of any team that's staying hot and at the expense of his former team. I just thought it was – he was smoking a cigar with players after the game and posted it on social media. I just – from top to bottom, I just thought <laughs> it was – embarrassing and the fact that Tennessee fans had to get beat by Alabama 58-21 which was the most points that have ever been put up in Neyland Stadium then they had to do it with their former coach on the sideline basically laughing at them so that's my gem of the week that I can appreciate like I'm always here for petty behavior especially when it's funny like that with cigar smoking afterwards it's different here because Butch Jones didn't play a role in Alabama destroying Tennessee. Butch Jones, like you said, is... I don't even know if he's a glorified intern because interns don't get paid, and he gets paid very handsomely um, to do something for Alabama. We're not really sure because I don't know what his like expertise is at this point. Well, it shouldn't be offense because... Right. It's not (laughs) offense. It's not defense. Like I don't really know what he is. He's like the Mike McCoy of college football where you're just not sure what they bring to the table he, other he, than experience he provides butchisms that's what he does five star hearts brick by brick that's what he provides 
What was his life? Champions of life. That's champions was, of right? life. Five star. Well, all of these. Mm-hmm. He said five star hearts. His players had five star hearts. Champions of life. Brick by brick was what he always used to say. So maybe that's what he provides Alabama. But. I have to be careful here because I get teary eyed whenever I hear clear eyes, full hearts can't lose from Coach Taylor. So that's a very silly thing if another coach said it. Like if we hear Butch Jones say that first, it'd be like, oh, I roll. But when <laughs> exactly. Coach Taylor another says it, one. it's like, yeah, great. Love it. Love you, Coach Taylor. Although, how you handled the J.D. McCoy stuff in the championship game was um, not the best way of handling things. But, um, yeah, so your gym, Butch Jones, Butch, actually not being a gym. Butch and Lyle kind Jones. Of, is that his middle name? Yes. Makes it even better. Okay. Mm, that's rough. I mean, it would be rougher if it was his first name. Uh, Lyle would be a tough sell. Yeah. Well, it's not a tough sell when you're still being paid millions from your former school that you just beat, so... It is what it is. Where do you think he goes next? I I don't. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I hope he never gets another Power Five school job after this. He's whatever. Get one. He, this was embarrassing. You like you just said, you are not even a coach, and you are getting a Gatorade bath and smoking cigars against a team that literally blows. You know what? Like it's just. It was just a very bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, I mean, I just felt like it was Butch Jones encompassed in a, in one day of college football. But, sorry. Yeah. Jim but he the- also knows that it can't come back to haunt him because Alabama is just basically unbeatable outside of Tua, his knee just falling apart. Because it seems like he's gotten hurt like three weeks in a row now, right? Where it, you kind of like hold your breath yeah. for a second. And he seems fine. Well, Very strong dude. But he's got to keep playing. But he's got to be careful because yeah. Jalen Hurts had surgery today on his ankle. So that's it's maybe Jalen Hurts is back for the LSU game, but that means it's going to be Tua who's banged up. Whether or not you know how banged up he is, we don't know. But then it's going to be Mac Jones who's from Jacksonville. I actually got to cover cover him down in Jacksonville. But Mac Jones is the third string backup, which. He's probably the best third stringer in the entire country, but you don't want to go in with just Tua to LSU. Yeah. Um, so you're more of a Matt Jones guy than Chase Bryce. Grayson High School legend Chase Bryce. Yeah, I'm more of a Mac Jones guy. Mm, Mac Jones girl. Girl. A girl. <laughs> Let's clarify that. <laughs> um, so my contrarian choice. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be able to see this one coming. All right. It is not insane. Is it not insane? What Bill Clark has done at UAB in just a couple of years since this program just got disbanded, not enough money. They just canceled it. The facilities were terrible. There wasn't the money for it. They left the conference USA players gone. They moved on. Coaches moved on. Bill Clark restarts the program. They're six and one. They just beat North Texas, a very good North Texas team. Um, I think they could beat like half of the ACC teams this year. I I just think it's kind of unbelievable reading the story of like, there's a good Washington post piece uh, from a couple days ago on this revival and how just kind of insane it is. And I mean, they have new facilities now and I mean, it's still a work in progress, but what was interesting is that he, Bill Clark, the coach who revolutionized stuff at Jacksonville state, he's an Alabama native, that kind of stuff. And he's always seen UAB as a sleeping giant in uh college football and i mean i think that's probably being a little generous but there was always the situation where they could be like the southern miss kind of team where you know that they have the kind of 
talent and they, if they get the right kind of offense and stuff, they'll be good and they can go 10 and 2, maybe shock some teams just because they are playing in such a fertile area like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, everything else. What was interesting is what do you do when you when the program actually does say, "Okay, we'll bring it back." Because you lost everything and you're starting from ground zero. Right. Only a couple other teams have ever done that. And it was Marshall in 1970 after the plane crash. We had the We Are Marshall movie. He talked with the coach at the time um, about how to go about this and SMU when they got the death penalty. Right. And they went like 3-19 and 19 the next two seasons after. And they took a different approach where SMU got a bunch of young players and they played a bunch of freshmen because they lost everybody and no one's going to play for them because they're bowling eligible and everything else. So no older players are coming over. No juniors, no seniors, no redshirt seniors, no redshirt sophomores, all that kind of stuff. He had two recruiting classes, basically, which I thought was really fascinating in that he brought in a bunch of JUCO guys and he made the case of not, you have the opportunity to play here. No, 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 no. We don't have players. So you get to play right away. We made a promise to these guys who were coming over from JUCOs in Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, and everywhere else. Like if you come over here, you're going to play. Like we don't literally have an option. Like you are in control here. Combine that with the high school players that they got at the time. So not only did they have freshmen coming in, in their normal recruiting class, they got to compound that with a bunch of transfers who wanted an opportunity to play. So he got the best of both worlds. And that's why UAB um, did not fall victim to the same kind of issues that SMU faced um, when they jumpstarted their program, because they just went straight right. freshmen yeah. all across and the board and you see that with UCLA yeah. where they got decimated with transfers and everything else. And they're playing a bunch of freshmen. They're getting killed. They're starting to get a little bit better, but that's what happens. And Bill Clark did something different where he just, accumulated a bunch of um, different Juco players and uh, put them with uh, some talented freshmen. So I don't know. I thought it was all fascinating. No, I think think that's, I think that's definitely interesting. And I would have never known that. And the fact that he talked to the Marshall coach and, you know, sort of see or saw how they did things and the way that they've done things down there. I mean, six and one, you talk about it. SMU really still hasn't recovered. So no, that's that's interesting. Bill Clark. Yeah. You the guy. Bill Clark. Next Power 5 head coach. Where does he go? Maybe Arkansas? Who knows? Mississippi? You're, you're running Chad Morris out of town so quickly. He he sucks. I think he was one of those guys who should have stayed at his small school a lot longer. Because it wasn't like he was winning at SMU. No. I think he had a losing record there. And he just took... I mean, you take the money. Like, I get why you do this. Oh, yeah. Arkansas is offering me this job. Yeah, sure. I'll take it. Why not? Well, and when you go to um, Arkansas, you sort of already know that you're not going to be winning the conference. So you only have to just keep your head above water. But he really hasn't done yeah. that at all. Yeah, I don't think he's long for Arkansas. I think he's a uh, a quick fall guy. It might be like the Steve Wilkes of college football, <laughs> where he might be, he, maybe not a one and done, but maybe like, because then again, I think they still are paying Brett Bielma a lot of money for his Oof. buyout. I think he had one of the bigger buyouts. I don't know why they ever kicked him out, because that was the best that they could have ever done. So, uh, I don't know. I think Arkansas is a sneaky, okay job. I don't think it's a it's a bad job. I mean, like I said, you've got to... Petrino won there. He got Ryan Mallett there. They went to the Sugar Bowl. You know, they were competing for a national title for one year. Mitch Mustaine was there, I believe. Slow your roll. Gus Malzahn was the offensive coordinator there. Gus. <laughs> Finally got his win. Auburn is back, Jordan. 31-16 down in the Grove. Congratulations. You finally got a game over 
200 yards rushing. That's the first time it's happened since he played, uh, I believe, last season at University of Louisiana Monroe. Sure. Yeah. I believe you. That's the first time the 200 yards Warhawks. rushing. Warhawks. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're the Warhawks anymore. I think they changed their name. Uh, I'm not quite sure, to be perfectly honest. I don't want to. A lot of those teams have changed names because it used to be something different. I think they're the University of Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Indians, and they changed it to Warhawks, maybe. Yeah. And then you have Lu- Louisiana Lafayette. Now it's just Louisiana. I don't know how they swung that, but power move from uh, the Raging Cajuns to just be like, no, we're just Louisiana now. Didn't a former Auburn quarterback go to ULM? Could I be wrong? Um, I feel like a former SEC quarterback was quarterback at ULM. That's a good question. I know Jeff Driscoll went to La Tech and had a revitalization um, with Skip Holtz, and now it's the backup quarterback for the Bengals. But I don't know. Probably. It sounds right. I would believe that. Well, we shall see, and maybe I'll I have, have no the idea. answer next next podcast. Maybe. Um, all right. Are you ready to get into our picks this week, Jordan? Let's do it. Number one, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They don't play anybody, so <laughs> I'm, I'm they're call, idle. I'm calling that a win by 60. Mm-hmm. Number four, LSU. Let me see here. Also, idle. Mm, I think they have a big game in two weeks. They though, do. Right? First of November. Yeah. Or first weekend of November. Mm-hmm. November. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So, uh, four teams that are on by this week. Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and uh, LSU it's kind of random it obviously they did schedule makers did not realize before the season that uh four of the top five teams would just um be off the same weekend but that's kind of what it looks like right now yeah i feel like these past two weeks have sort of been like that not for just the sec but like the big 10 had a bunch of people or maybe it wasn't big 10 maybe pac 12 but i feel like there's just been like conferences with really big teams all missing games at the same time they're all with off weeks Notre Dame in San Diego to play the Navy midshipmen who are a, a quiet two and five. Yeah. Another guy who should have left for like Oregon State or Arizona over the last year. Um, Ken Niamatololo. Niamatololo. And I do know I there pronounced that correctly. I love Ken, Ken Niamatololo, but he is not having a good season this year. I feel like this is no. a really down year for Navy. Navy's usually pretty hot i mean they're usually better than army correct yeah i mean they they own the this the record and everything else like uh, our whole life basically it's always been navy i don't seem to recall like even like the bobby ross era and everything else i don't seem to recall army ever being good i grew up around army going like one and eleven every year yeah not the case this year navy's maybe that's the rule you can't have army and navy good at the same time either we also had Duke and uh, Kentucky ranked in the AP for the first time in like 50 years. That's true. Oh, I cannot wait for Kentucky next week. Or two weeks, excuse me. Wait, no, is it next week? Is is Georgia-Kentucky next week? No, Georgia-Florida's next week, baby. No, I mean like, oh, oh I thought, like I meant the following week. Oh, the following week post-Georgia-Florida is yes. going to be... Kentucky, you were correct. At Kentucky, right. I thought it was back to back. Yeah, well, it's so, going to be a I mean, three game I'm stretch. With that. Three game stretch for Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Auburn. You can go ahead and write off Auburn. 
I, I don't think that's going to be Auburn and Georgia always play each other tough. Great. Georgia's blowing out Auburn in Athens this year. That's happening. Well, we shall DeAndre see. DeAndre Baker is going to make Jared Siddham's life a living hell. Well, I don't think that um, if Jared Siddham's smart, he would not throw it in DeAndre Baker's vicinity because it will not be completed at all. Probably not. Um, but Georgia does have a bad run defense this year. I think they've already given up more rushing touchdowns than they gave up all of last year. Yes, but last game we were out. Devontae Wyatt, who is a JUCO transfer. I mean, but yeah, our def- our defensive front is just, they've really struggled. Um, that's basically been the miss of, I guess, recruiting because that's the weak point for Georgia. But honestly, the secondary didn't look too great either. I mean, we've got Tyson Campbell, you know, a freshman on the other side of DeAndre Baker, but Obviously, with no Roquan Smith, it's been a struggle trying to stop the run. So, which leads us back to Notre Dame. Notre maybe. Dame, a natural transition back to the, the game we were just talking. Oh yes, Notre Dame. We're, we're very yeah. professional, Jordan. We don't have ADD. No, at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I have Notre Dame here. Yeah, and they're on their way. Eight zero, getting ready for their showdown against. Northwestern, the Chicago showdown. We need to have a, like, if you, because you, you told me I didn't, yeah. I'm not a Chicago resident. I didn't know that this is a thing, but Notre Dame, Northwestern, Chicago's biggest college football game this fall, apparently. <laughs> it's going to be big. Well, it's definitely not Illinois because we know how they are, but yeah, Northwestern, uh, Notre Hold Dame could be big. Don't say stuff like that about Illinois right now because I don't know if you've seen this or not, Jordan. What? Have you seen Lovey Smith's beard? Oh, no, his beard is rocking i think lovey smith lovey smith looks so much better with a beard not just a beard the whitest santa claus beard (laughs) i've ever seen it it's unbelievable Um, i i love it so much i hope he never shaves he has gone full um i don't care mode with this team i think but back to the game what we were talking about i'm not worried about illinois they're improving they're getting better yeah sure whatever we whatever you say (laughs) but notre dame i I agree is going to win that game against navy navy is terrible oklahoma on the road against a team that i think we all kind of talked ourselves into is like oh they could be sneaky good this year they have a good offensive line they have an offensive line that features an offensive tackle who's going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. And, you know, Kansas State's always good. Bill Snyder, nope, sorry, they suck. And it seems like this is the last year of Bill Snyder before Jim Levitt, the D.C. at Oregon, takes the Kansas State job next year. Um, I don't want to say Bill Snyder's done. He's like one of the best parts of college football. He's like 90 years old. He's so cute. He's so cute. He can come back and save the program in 2023. He's like the cutest guy out there. <laughs> but Oklahoma. I mean, I, shout out to him. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you could do that, how long, is, how long has he been coaching? Like 90 years? It's at least Yeah. 90 years. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's the math. But there. poor guy's going to get a beat down next week. Yeah. Tyler, Oklahoma. It turns out they're okay. So they're losing to Texas. What, uh, the way they did, it's fine. The fact that they have this redshirt freshman running back Kennedy Brooks that just broke out of, out of nowhere, um, he's mm-hmm. he's a stud. I really like him alongside Kyler Murray. So. Yeah, turns out Kyler Murray still good at football. Very good at football. Um, <laughs> a very big week off for Ohio State. I think it's like Michigan. I think would rather keep playing just because they're riding this high, and I think they'd rather just keep beating down teams and demoralizing them with their defense and strong running game and strong offensive line play. Oh my and god! Stop. Being in rhythm. Stop. They're hey. 
I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm gonna talk you into Michigan. I'm you are not talking me into that. That is some ugly. They are not a pretty football team, but they get the job done. That's what I'll get them. Your Utah Utes ranked again, number twenty three in the country, five and two on the road at my UCLA Bruins that had to go back to the well, the Wilton Spate well last week. But you know what, Chip Kelly, he's got his two wins. He's got, uh, what is that, one more win than Scott Frost this year? Yep, one more win than Scott Frost. So, looks like Scotty's still got some catching up to do, but I think that my youths will pull out uh, the win against Chip Kelly and his complainer of a quarterback, or sh- I should say more so his dad. His The quarterback for UCLA's dad gets on my nerves. Right. So, I'm going to go, yeah, the youths. They're, they're- Give me UCLA here. I, I think people are jumping way too high on this Utah team. On the road, UCLA at home, I think they're getting better. And uh, I heard a wild take from someone we're both familiar with um, at 6 of the Fan on Chip Kelly. And I almost sped off the road. And uh, just the, the way people talked about Chip Kelly on the radio. I think you know who I'm talking about. Who might have a strong Chip Kelly take. That might be a little, a little insane. Would it be Carlos Medina? No, I love Carlos. It would never be Carlos. Who would it be then? Mm, it, it, the person is from the northern area, I believe, who would know some things about Chip Kelly's NFL experience. I'm, you're you're going over my head. You're, you're going to have to tell me. Are, am I really? Yeah. His first name starts with a J. I can't believe we're still going with this bit. I thought you would have known, Jordan. J. He's on the noon slot. With oh, John Kincaid? Right. Oh, not a fan of what? Chip Kelly. Really? Why? Yeah. What was his? What was his reason? Just that he was a fraud and he ruined the Eagles, and then he flamed out in San Francisco and he was done. And I'm like, Chip Kelly is still like one of the seven best college I mean, coaches. Does he not remember like, Marcus Mariota in Oregon and what he did with that school? But they were making jokes about his awful start in UCLA. I'm like, what? Well, what? that's also because of that team UCLA was trash when he came there. They're all too. freshmen. I mean, yeah, he's dealing with a freshman quarterback. I mean, I don't even like Chip Kelly, and I'll come to his defense on that. I mean, but I like Chip uh, Kelly. But, I think Chip Kelly's still one of the best. Like, I mean, Jordan, you would rather have Chip Kelly than uh, Kirby Smart, right? You take that back. I'll step on your toe. <laughs> I mean, I would if I was. A no, hell no. I'd much rather have Chip Kelly. Hell no. Than Kirby Smart. No. Yeah. He's got to win me. Heat, I feel like I. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what he does. I think next year will be more telling of what he can do with this team. I mean, this is just year one. And like you said, he's got a freshman quarterback, but this week against Utah, I mean, Utah scored 40 points in every game this month, which hasn't mm-hmm. happened since 2010 when they were in the mountain West conference. So I'm going to go with Utah. They've been playing lights out. Yeah. Kyle Winningham. I like him. I want him to get a power five job. I wanted him to get the Tennessee job for years. It was either him or Mike Gundy. I wanted to like move into the sec, but I love Mike Gundy. Um, Winningham, man. I feel like he's just, I mean, Urban Meyer, that was his jumping off point with Alex Smith. And then he made the jump and the rest is history. I wish Whittingham would do the same. I want to see him in a good place. I don't know where the right option is for him. What would be the number one Kyle Whittingham like SEC or ACC job? Like the Bronco Mendenhall random pick where he just like leaves BYU for Virginia. What would be the Ole best Miss. option for Whittingham? Oh, wow. No, that he needs to stay the hell away from that no program. i mean yeah. i mean at the point of where they're at right now whew, i wouldn't want to walk in there but and all although it's on the side of being you know you're you're in the west so you're with alabama but i think that that i don't think that um the non-interim coach i don't even know his name the offensive lineman coach for 
uh, Luke. Matt Luke. Yes, Matt Luke. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be there. I just am very unimpressed by him. But he does have his team playing hard for the fact that they don't have any postseason hopes in their near future for the next two years. Right. No, I think, you know, you're not going to like this. What? I like to see what he would do at Vanderbilt. I love Derek Mason. Don't run him off so quickly. But Kyle Winningham in the East with him or Missouri. What if we call him Missouri? There we go. That we could, the East would definitely be a better landing spot just because, you know, it's up in the air. I like that. Right, and he'd immediately become the second best coach in the SEC East, just behind Dan Mullen. You are just looking for me to just lose my cool. I'm going to stay mm. even keel here. Mm-hmm. Deep breaths. There you go. That's that's good, Jordan. I know you're Deep angry breaths. about Gus Malzahn and Auburn, but you don't have to take it out on us Georgia people, okay? It's fine. I mean, Kentucky's just right around the corner. Then, um, then the rest you are of my not telling right. me that Georgia's losing to Kentucky right around the corner. They I've almost been saying that for weeks 14 now. Fourteen to happening. seven to Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt, granted, doesn't have the greatest offense, but they definitely don't have the defense of late either. And they held Kentucky to fourteen points. The only person Kentucky Benny Snell took like he had one drive where he had like ten carries for seventy five yards on one drive. Guess what Georgia's weakness is this year? I know Teams it's the, that rush. Can run the Yes, football. I understand that. I know that. But maybe, you know Guess what else sucks for Georgia this year? Their offensive line. Guess what? No, their offensive line Kentucky is one of the, no, no. One of their offensive line, granted, we have not been able to run the ball the the last week against LSU. But Georgia came in with one of the best offensive line in the entire country. You have to remember, Andrew Thomas went down with an injury. And then on That's the other side... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Injuries are killing But them. I think that Andrew Thomas is going to be back, and I think Ben Cleveland's going to still be out. But I think with experience from Trey Hill and Cade Mays, weeks upon weeks of that, I mean, they just faced one of the best defenses in the country. True freshmen. Mm-hmm. I think that... But they're not better defenses than Florida or... Kentucky this year? Uh, I would definitely disagree. I think LSU's defense is the only chance that Alabama has to screw in up this year. I think we talked about it. They've got top, I mean, first-round picks, safety, you know, on the defensive line. They've got a guy Florida in the secondary. Too, huh? I mean, Kentucky maybe has the best edge rusher Josh in Allen. football this year. Yeah, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, he's a standout. I mean, he's the reason why Vanderbilt won the game. But, I mean, not Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt lost the game. But I, that's one guy that you've got to shut down. And Terry Wilson. And they're not going to. Like, I don't think that's happening. I think Kentucky's going to be in the backfield. I think it's going to be really ugly. I think it's going to be kind of like the LSU game, but I don't think they have the offensive explosion to blow out Georgia the way that LSU did. But I do think they win a close game, and it's going to be one of those random years, like 20 years from now, where like, oh my God, Kentucky won the East uh, one that, How did that happen? Yeah, I, Like I said, I know that you're very upset with the way that Auburn's season has played out, and the fact that Jared Stenham has become a bust, but um, you can stop smoking your crack now, Chase, because that's not happening. Kentucky is beating Georgia. I'm saying it. It is. Well, uh, what time is it? It is uh, nine o'clock on a Monday. It's October 22nd, and uh, I am putting it in audio uh, form. Well, Kentucky is beating the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I think Georgia is going to blow out Florida this weekend. But I do think yeah. this is a, the recipe for a disaster the following. I think, I think Georgia-Florida is going to be closer than what Kentucky-Georgia is going to be. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think Georgia's in good shape. I think Felipe Franks has an awful day. I think Kirby <laughs> I hope gets so. his group um, 
back in order. I think this is a team that's just going to be, uh, I think they're going to be in over their head. Florida's ahead of schedule right now with Dan Mullen in this year. I, I just, I'm not a Felipe Franks believer. I think he's actually, no. it's a testament to the best coach in the SEC East being able to only have one loss and beat LSU, something another head coach in the East was not able to do this season. Well, but, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. Maybe, well, Emory Jones hasn't seen one game this year, correct, for Florida? The recruit that came in. So. Yeah, so I guess we're not yeah. going to see him at all. But I think the future of what Florida has is definitely, you know, the ceiling's higher than what they have now. But their defense is stout. And if Jake Fromm plays as poorly as he did against LSU, it could be very close. Clemson at Florida State. Florida State quietly 4-3 and three now. They've averted disaster. Their defensive line with Brian Burns and company is legit. Trevor Lawrence will get knocked around in this game, but I don't trust this Florida State offense, which feels weird to me, but I think this offensive line is still too bad for them to be able to handle Clemson's stellar defensive front. Like I think it it's funny that a lot of these games come down to the battle of the trenches, but I do think when you look at the matchups and the individual matchups between Brian Burns and those guys, like, they're going to get pressure. Trevor Lawrence is going to struggle a little bit on the road. But Clemson's defensive line is just going to have their way with this Florida State group. And DeAndre Francois is going to get knocked around, make some bad throws, and Clemson will survive. But I do think this is close. And I think it's a nice, like, um, bulletin board material loss for Florida State. Where they're like, you know what? We played Clemson we lost 23 to 17, but... It felt like a win for the way this season's going. Well, Willie Taggart needs all the bulletin board material he can get because, you know, his team doesn't have very much this season. But I do think, you know, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say bad things happen in threes, and bad things have been happening to number two teams in the country, and I think FSU upsets Clemson. Oh, wow. Okay. There you go. I like it. It'd be fun for my family that I went to Florida State that I that I love. So hopefully <laughs> that'd be cool. I'm down with it. I mean... I, I, it's not like I have a some sort of I, I i mean i guess i kind of i'm one of those people that likes having greatness rewarded so the idea that clemson's whole season just gets just um, shattered with a loss to florida state a team yeah, that's just a dumb just, like because you know that they're not getting in at that point because the acc is so weak this year right someone yeah. else is gonna get i don't know because it does seem like clemson is still one of the best four teams in the country no matter what but anyway texas six and one feel like i haven't seen them play in like three and a half weeks Sam Ellinger, he's back in the fold. No more Shane Bichelle and his five yards per attempt, hopefully. At Oklahoma State, a, a team that we thought we knew for the, like the last 10 years, they were always going to go 10-2. and two. They would have a 28-year-old quarterback behind <laughs> center. They would have some explosive playmakers like James Washington, Justin Blackman, um, just you name it. They had guys, and now they don't. And it's really weird. They're 4-3, and three, Mike Gundy's group. I, His mullet's I growing really longer. No they blew out Boise State and then they lose to Iowa State. I just I have no read on this team, but I will just say Texas feels legit. So I am uh I'm gonna say Texas rolls here, but it would not surprise me if o- Oklahoma State just ruined the Texas's back stuff just because that is the way their season has gone. Yeah, see I'm gonna come up with a surprise win by Oklahoma State just because Texas is coming off a bye and I don't feel like teams play well off a bye. That's why feel like Florida Georgia is going to be really close. Um, I just feel like teams come off a little sluggish, and I think that's what's maybe going to happen with Texas. And they're coming off some really big wins, 
and maybe they're looking over this. So I think Oklahoma State comes away with a win. My Kentucky Wildcats, number 12 in the country, 6-1 <laughs> and one at Missouri, a bad Missouri team. The worst 4-3 and three team in the country. Uh, well, they beat your Memphis team. They did. Just a bad, bad situation. And by, and by the way, on Google, it says 66 to nothing loss. Um, Missouri mm-hmm. beat Memphis, and that is not the case. Uh, so no. if anybody sees that, just know that it was not 66 to nothing. But anyway, right. I just had to throw that out there. Uh, so you said Mid- I have Kentucky here. You- yeah, Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. Not a good day for him here. Yeah, I think I'm going to go. I mean, but Drew Locke and Mizzou, they came out like angry. Their offense came out, but their defense is really terrible. So I don't know if you can stop Benny Snell to that. So yeah, I'm going Benny Snell in Kentucky. Okay. West Virginia, after just a really demoralizing loss in Ames, Iowa, at the hands of Brock Purdy, Matt Campbell, and David Montgomery, and on the Iowa State Cyclones, they go on the road to Baylor, a sneaky, decent Baylor team that, you know, Charlie Brewer, pretty good. I, I mean, he was one of PFF's highest-graded quarterbacks for the most of the season. He had a bad game against Texas, but Baylor at home feels like they're going to make this really annoying, but I'm not quitting West Virginia after their bad loss at Iowa State. So I have West Virginia responding because I believe and the visor man himself Dana Holgerson and Will Greer. So give me West Virginia here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm not counting Will Greer out for the season. He's coming off a bad game, but I think he bounces back. There we go. Washington, a very depressing 6-2 and two Washington Huskies team. Mm-hmm. At Cal, suddenly just irrelevant. Justin Wilcox, Cal's Golden Bears. Their offense with Bo Baldwin has kind of been hit or miss. Their offense is just weird. Um, they're four and three. They're fighting for a bowl game, but Washington, I think, has another ugly win um, in Pac-12 play as they march for their most depressing nine and three season of the last two years. <laughs> yeah, the Pac-12 is literally a mess right now, um, and it's really thanks to Washington. But Washington, I think, comes away with the win. I I don't see Cal being very good, but their season's over. Texas no, Texas A and M. Go go ahead, Texas A and M. The number 16 team in the country. Maybe one of the best 5-2 and two teams in the country. At Mississippi State. Mm. This was one of the tough ones for me. Where if Mississippi State blows this, they're suddenly in very troublesome waters. If they drop this to go to 4-4 four and four, and suddenly the season, kind of like last year, right? Like they were, remember that Georgia game going in? It was like, oh, yeah, is this going to be a, an SEC title game preview? Is Mississippi State legit? Blah, blah, blah. And they get blown out. At uh, UGA, off didn't like Jake Fromm have this like flea flicker touchdown to like open things? Yeah, it was something. Say. It was it was something crazy. I don't even think that game was close, was it? Yeah, it was not. It was a blowout. Yeah. Um, Texas A&M, I believe in Kellamond on the road. This feels. I love their defense. I think this is another bad Mississippi State offensive display, and I think we might see some Thompson time here in. Uh, Mississippi State. Where do they play? I don't even remember. Starkville. Starkville. It's it's the only thing you need to know is alcohol is banned in that county, so that's not a good place to be. It's a dry county. Did not know that. Yeah. Okay. But cowbells are allowed though. Yeah, cowbells are counts. allowed. No alcohol, which makes it even crazier. I would have to be drunk to be able to withstand those cowbells. <laughs> so we can go ahead and scratch Mississippi State <laughs> off our destination. List. Yeah, not going there. I would rather like take ten shots to the face, and I mean alcohol. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, but anyways, I'm not going with Mississippi State because if you're leaving uh, Nick Fitzgerald in, uh, nothing will get done. So that's just a fact. Oregon, a team that, by the way, Jordan, what was my lock of the week last week? Was that Oregon game? It was the Oregon game, correct? And refresh my memory, did the Mike Leeches of the world and Gardner Minshew's and that beautiful mustache beat Oregon down? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. Oregon was a fraud, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or I guess maybe Oregon or maybe Washington was really the fraud of all, and that was a bad I think the Pac-12 is just a fraud. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down, a, down to. Yeah. Oregon at Arizona. Rhett Rodriguez, the son of the recently fired Rich Rodriguez, um, playing quarterback for the Arizona Wildcats and Kevin Sumlin. Um, I have Oregon here in a blowout. I think they respond. Yeah, no way Kevin Sumlin wins this. He continues his terrible season at Arizona. Three and six. It's not like a dumpster fire. Come on. They were competitive in the You've Utah game. You've got to give off bit. of this Kevin Sumlin train. Like it's crashing <laughs> and never. burning. And as your friend, I'm starting to get concerned. I will never. I'm going to have Kevin to tell Sumlin you to, to jump sooner or later. No. Kevin Sumlin for life. <laughs> Future podcast guest, Kevin Sumlin. Well, we can just talk about all the great times and just how good of a college football coach he really is. And if you're a big Purdue guy, then you should love uh, Kevin Sumlin. No, I love Purdue now. Now. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. Wisconsin, number 20 in the nation, 5-2 and two, at Northwestern. It's at noon. <clears throat> so if you really want to watch some bad football, <laughs> I highly encourage you to watch Clayton Thorson versus Jonathan Taylor at noon on your Saturday. Because the Wildcats if they win this game, would officially lead the Big Ten West in almost November. It's um, it's a crazy world we live in, Jordan. Yeah, and if that's the case, then the Big Ten should be in just as much of a panic mode as the Pac-12 is, regardless of how many losses these teams have or whatever, because if Northwestern is leading half of your Big Ten conference, if they're leading one division, that's a problem because Northwestern – is trash. They're trash this year. We talked about it earlier. They're this, they have like the second worst rushing statistics in the entire college football. On top of that, wasn't Clayton, Clayton Thorson bench in the Purdue game? Yeah, I'm, I want to say he was. I'm pretty sure he was too. I mean, it, it has been week in and week out. It has been like pulling teeth out to watch these Northwestern games. A lot of the games they won, they shouldn't have won. And a lot of games that they lost, well, they should have lost because, I mean, they're penalized there i mean it's just it's sloppy football and pat fitzgerald has his hands full with this team so i'm going wisconsin it's not gonna be pretty it's probably gonna be like 14 to 10 or something like that i think it's gonna be high scoring actually because wisconsin's defense really sucks and i think clayton clayton thorson's gonna throw all over them i have northwestern here you have northwestern i do i have northwestern the Pat Fitzgeralds and their record in Big Ten play over the last couple of years kind of insane. What is it? It's a uh, thousand and no, actually. That is the exact number. Number twenty-two, NC State, at Syracuse, a sneaky five and two Syracuse. No respect for my Dino Baber. Uh... Syracuse here. I think this is like one of those where NC State continues to like real. Like, how do you get back up for the rest of the year after yeah. your biggest game 
of your school's history of like the 21st century. And didn't, like it, didn't Philip they, Rivers was rolling over in his grave watching that display. Did they um only score two in the fourth quarter? That was their only score in North uh, NC State, right? I believe so. Yeah. So they shouldn't have even really scored. I'm not going NC State here. I'm going with Dino. Yeah. Dino and Dungy. Dino all the way, baby. A team known as the Georgia Bulldogs. They're 6-1, and one, number seven in the country. They play the Florida Gators, who are also 6-1. and one. 3.30, CBS. I have Georgia in a blowout. Well, I do believe Georgia wins here, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be within like a 10-point game. Um, hey, I mean, it's a win for you, right? It's like the first Florida-Georgia game that's actually featured two good teams at the same time in like a decade. <laughs> that is true. Last year, it was terrible. The year before that, Georgia got blown out, or maybe I think so. I, I don't even remember anymore. It's been It's just been very lopsided. Um, and very yeah. not fun to watch, not like the typical Georgia-Florida games back in the day. But um, I think it's going to be a close one because I just don't trust this Georgia offense after what I saw. I mean, I I am literally still in shock from what I saw against LSU. Um, so unless Jake Fromm gets out of whatever issues he has in his head, I think it's going to be a close game. But I, I do think Georgia pulls away with the win. Washington State. Coming off a big win that, the you know, as the Washington State faithful know, I backed the Coug Nation for a while. Big Cougar guy right here. Um, they traveled to Stanford, and unfortunately for my Washington State Cougars, uh, they're losing at Stanford because that's how the Pac-12 works this year. No. Mm-mm. No. Um, I don't believe that. I think Mike Leach goes into Stanford, and um, I just am not... I'm not really a fan of what David Shaw has over there right now. Um, I know Bryce loves... KJ Costello's been good. He's been, Bryce okay. Love has been it's, kind of banged up. It, the offensive line hasn't been the best, but I think Stanford at home is just enough. I think David Shaw is still like a top 10 coach, and I think that they actually just beat uh, I just, Washington State I just, in a submission. I just wonder... I feel like Stanford doesn't really have anything to play for anymore. Because they were, uh, they're playing for the Pac-12 North. I understand, they win this game, they're but, in the driver's seat. But how many losses? They've got one loss. Wait, how many losses? Two. They have two. There's been no team ever in the college football playoffs with two losses. So when I say that they're not playing for much anymore, when a team was supposed to be perhaps a college football favorite pick, it's just, I mean, there's not as much on the line. So I just wonder, can you rally rally the troops? And I feel like Washington State is, more so on the upswing than Stanford. So I'm going to go with Mike Leach. Okay. Okay. I hope so, but I just have Stanford here. Last game, Penn State, just awful. A team who's been awful to watch the last couple weeks, the Penn State Nittany Lions, not faring well since uh, the Ohio State game. Mm -mm. They're 5-2 against number 18 Iowa, 6-1, who suddenly have a good offense. Stanley's fun. Um, Their defense is one of the best in the country. This is a sneaky, huge game for Penn State because I think there's like James Franklin had won over a lot of the faithful over the last couple of years, but now with the kind of season they're having, he lost Joe Moorhead and that offense isn't the same. There's no Saquon Barkley. Trace McSorley's been good. He hasn't been as good as he was last year. And there's been a lot of like this team does not start off well. And part of that has to do with the head coach, right? Like that they had these sluggish starts yep. every week. Um, 
So I, I do wonder if he gets blown out here, or at the very least, they lose comfortably to Iowa. Yeah. At 5-3, and three, does it start to get a little interesting for James Franklin well, at Penn State? I always like to see James Franklin's feet a little hot. I don't like how he left, left Vanderbilt in the midst of a uh, rape controversy. I don't appreciate the yep. way he, that he did that. So um, I'm not wishing ill will towards him, but I think that Saquon Barkley was the main reason of why the team was so good under James Franklin the last couple of years. And I think that I was playing really good football. Their defense looks awesome. And um, I believe that I called the Iowa win over Maryland last week. And so I'm going to call another Iowa win this time. Okay. I do too. I think Iowa wins here. I think this is a bad game for Penn State and it's going to be one where you're like, oh my God, what are we doing here? Is this the beginning of the end? Who knows? Hashtag we Uh, are. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Last thing, Jordan. It's our favorite segment that we're cutting off into just one segment because our alma mater beat Brookwood 31-2. to An actual football score that happened Friday. You said 31-2? to That is what I said, yes. That is 100% I know not even looking at the records of Georgia Brookwood past scores, that is definitely not a score that has ever happened. Probably not. But you know what? Partview jumped out to an early lead, two touchdowns on two plays. They were up 14 to nothing very early. It was on the road in a very hostile Brookwood environment, as we are both familiar with. It's it's tough to go into Snellville. Very tough. And uh, when it, wherever, what do they call it? I don't even remember what they called Brookwood. We had the Big Garden Jungle, but I don't even, oh, what was it called at Brookwood? There's really not. It's called like, um, Coach Hunter Stadium. You know you're a trader Coach, well, or you were a double agent for years. Exactly. Double agents were like it. But um, mm-hmm. no, I think it's like Hunter Stadium. I mean, it's Hunter Stadium, like their former coach. I'm not quite mm. sure. But oh, wait. I think that's like the dad of their current coach, right? Because like, I think their current coach's dad used to coach. Yeah. Th- yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I think that's what um, their stadium's named after. But every, during that mm. rivalry. Not Hunter Aiken. No, not Hunter Aiken. Uh, but it gets personal on that. Like in those games, I mean, people, because like the students know a lot about each other, you know, they go to church together. They, I mean, they could be double agents like me where they, you know, wish they went to one school, but they went to another. So it just gets, it gets super personal. So good win for fellowship. Yeah. Low key divisive. High, high key divisive. It's very divisive, I think. Mm, And young life. Who knows what kind of. Um, problems that presents Ooh, that yeah. people don't even think about. Absolutely. The young life could get real feisty over there. Never understood that. Never went, never understood it. Really? Always one of the weirder things about high school that I never really understood. I went, but I would never really was truly accepted when I went. Mm-hmm. You know. That's interesting. Struggled. We'll talk about that off air. Yeah. Um, can I read you a quote from a Part V defensive lineman after the game? All right. We call ourselves Psycho Squad, Part View defensive lineman Bryce Wilson said. Every day at practice, we just go crazy and go hard at it. We've been preparing for these guys since January. Over the summer, we've been ready. Part View is back. Psycho, what a confident quote. Psycho, psycho squad, squad, baby. I'm going to make t-shirts. The orange and Can blue. I say, I, do you like the the dominant blue color now? Like, I, I don't understand why they've gone so blue well i hate orange do you i love the orange Uh, and white i preferred that i mean it's just like it's not it's not um a trap i mean it's just not attractive yeah exactly but here's the thing we're the big orange jungle so that's like our main Mm -hmm. color why to your point why are you 
sort of getting away from that. But speaking of people changing, uh, I won't even go into that because my ADD is getting the best of me. But did you like LSU's new uniforms? Uh, I did like those helmets. I liked actually. those. Yeah, but I did like those. You know, maybe that's what Parkview needed was just a change of color, a change of pace, and now they're back on top, baby. PHS I know. is the very best. Is that a was that one of our things? I don't know. It was a cheer that we used to do. You were a cheerleader. You should know these things. Yeah, I was a cheerleader just for the uniform. Is that true? That is very 100% true. And why? Well, I just liked the uniforms. I don't know. I just, you know, that was my off season. You're just like, I got to do this. I, I'm going to go and spend a bunch of time tumbling and doing all the other. I remember the first day I figured out what tumbling was because I was completely off base on what that was. When I heard that, I did not. It doesn't sound like what it actually is. No, you think tumbling is like taking a tumble, like crash and burn, or maybe right. even doing like a front front roll on the ground or something, you know, tumbling. No, but I was not one of those girls that was throwing backflips or anything, so I'm not going to try to take that credit. Um, mm. I, I was a base, you know, I got those big old arms from softball, all that muscle, kissing it right now, yeah. giving you a, a visualization. I've... The last thirty seconds of this podcast are getting cut, Jordan. Yeah, there's no way I can post any of that. What? That was I, that was rough for me. Well, you know what? We're great. Mm. Mm-hmm. You think so? Yeah. Well, Parkview's great. That's what's. What Parkview about, is great. What about undefeated? Colquitt and Camden didn't they play last week? They did. I don't even have it in front of me. Well, I just wanted to talk about Parkview. Oh uh, well, that's what's important. They're going to go on right? and win the I mean, next. They're state undefeated. It's bizarre. Like they might win state this year. Isn't that crazy? Because they've become a baseball school since we've been gone. Yeah. Well, I never even thought they returned to like being good at football because after we left, I mean, they sort of stunk it up for a good while. Yeah. Well. But now they're back. They run a fun offense. They score quickly. They're uh, they're fun. They're kind of like what Auburn was years ago. Yeah. Well, that's far yeah. behind you, Chase. But it's okay. Yeah. The Eric Godfrey. I've always said Eric Godfrey was the Rhett Lashley of the high school football era in the state of Georgia. I've always said that, Jordan. Well, you're saying it here again. I, Rhett, I miss Rhett Lashley. I was a big Rhett Lashley guy. I think that's all it is. You've got a bunch of guys. You've got a bunch of guys. I do have a bunch of guys. I don't know who my number one is. I need to like think about Kevin that Sumlin. next week's podcast. Kevin Sumlin. Love Kevin sure. Sumlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most underrated coach in college football, in my opinion. Kevin you, Sumlin. You've really got to get off that crack, Chase. Jordan DeArmond, where can people listen to you on the radio this week? Well, you can go to the radio.com app and you can search WBBM 780 and 105.9 FM. We're going to be talking sports, obviously. The Bears lost Notre Dame Patriots. Northwestern. Notre Dame all Northwestern. Week long. You know it. And uh, of course, the World Series with no Cubs. That's what we're going to be talking about. But yeah, you can find me there and then find me on Twitter at Jordan DeArmond. Is Mitch Trubisky actually bad? I think the answer may surprise you. More next. <laughs> Can I give you a hint? Yeah, I think he's actually bad. He's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's there's a lot of Blake Bortles vibe to him now. Uh, I think that's. I wouldn't I go there. I wouldn't go there. I mean, he. Do you remember the numbers Bortles put up a couple years ago? <laughs> well, that where was, it was like, also... oh, he might be fun. He might be good. Yeah, that and was trash. They, like, trash yeah. numbers, but but Mitchell. I mean, it was not a trash game against the Patriots. I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to like talk him up. He's not a good quarterback. He's no Patrick Mahomes here. I'm not a Trubisky guy. 
I'm a Patrick Mahomes guy. That's who I am. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm a I'm girl. A, the Bengals are girl. good. That game was crazy. You've done that twice now. I know. I am a girl. Lot. I am a girl. But yes, yeah. that game was insane. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's the answer. I like him. He's fun. Yeah, it's it fun turns to watch. out when the NFL embraces some college concepts, it becomes more fun. Oh, but you know what? NFL fans don't like college football, Chase, so be careful with what you say. That's what I get told up here in the North, so I find it so funny. I'm like, if you were to actually watch both college are football, good. Why do we even have to like I, have, like they're both fun? I don't understand why there has to be a pick one. And you know what? I feel like I know more of what I'm talking about in the NFL. At least it says so when I get my FanDuel account every week when I'm winning. It's because <laughs> I know these players and what they can do. It's just crazy. Mm. College football so fa- and the yeah. NFL can both be great. So so when I get Fandil one day as a uh, presenting sponsor of the podcast, you can do the ad read. Oh my God, please. Were, uh, net, yeah. Please. I am Fandil's number one fan. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a gambler. Oh, I gamble every week. Well, they do. You should do it though. Fandil, they have college football where you can pick your seven spots for college football, like a full roster, just like you do in NFL. So it's fun. Like I've been doing that too, but I haven't had success. I picked Daryl Henderson this past week in Fandil for my running back and he was okay, but other guys had more breakouts. So it's yeah. fun. Yeah, FanDuel. Hit it up. There you go. FanDuel. <laughs> and outside of FanDuel, so they should play that. But what else should they do if they listen on Apple Podcasts, well, Jordan? you got to go on. you got to subscribe. you got to comment. you got to say how great the podcast is. Leave us a note. Let everybody else know how great it is and how much you enjoy listening to the podcast because that's what life's about is sharing the goodness and greatness with others. Exactly. And if you, like us, are fully supportive of the Kentucky SEC East champion movement, give us five stars and review the show on iTunes. Because as you both know, Jordan and I are the pro Kentucky football podcast on iTunes. Those are supposed to be cricket sounds. Chirp, Mm -hmm. chirp. Yeah. Jordan DeArmond. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, Chase. Talk to you next week. Party forever. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.